shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Ah, amen. 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 May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you. And within you, he is with you, he is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in the coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you, he is for you. Everybody, it's good seeing your smiling faces. Welcome to those who are joining us online as well. Uh, just glad that you all have chosen to be a part of a meeting with us and meeting with God this morning. You've been prayed for, and our prayer every week is that in some way that you would connect with God and that you would be drawn closer into His direction. Uh, we are in this summer series that we have called Press Play, where we are looking at some of our favorite worship songs and how they encourage us in our journey with God. And this morning, we are looking at the song, The Blessing. And it's one of our favorites uh, around here at River Ridge. It's a song uh, about the goodness of God. It's a song about the inclination of God and and his desire to bless uh, our lives. And about midway through the song, the song turns turns its attention and specifically starts talking about our families and the influence that we can have in the coming generations. There's a, a couple verses in there that says, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. This idea that we can leave a lasting legacy that extends not just to our kids, but in generations to come. So today we're gonna be looking at a, a Psalm, Psalm 127. If you wanna go ahead and turn there, we'll get there in just a few minutes about how it is that we can enjoy the blessing of God as we raise up this next generation of followers. And when I share that topic, there are some here this morning that are immediately thinking, I don't think this applies to me. Um, You don't have kids yet, you're single, or, or maybe your kids are out of the house and you're thinking, I don't think that this really applies to me this morning. But let me give you a couple of cautions before you check out. First, one day, if you don't have kids yet, God may bless you with them. And it's important for you to know what it is that God has called you to do and to be as a parent. And then the other is, and maybe more importantly, is that raising up the next generation of followers of Jesus is not an assignment that God just gave to parents. It's an assignment that he gave to the entire Christian community. And we each have a part to play. And we each have a responsibility to play in raising up and sending out a next generation of followers. So while the target of this message is going towards parents, uh, if you have nieces or nephews, if you have grandkids, if you have kids down the street or kids on your ball team, or maybe you you serve in Ridge Kids or in student ministry, if you're in any of those areas, if you have some kind of influence with kids in your life, then this message will apply to you and the principles will apply in your life. Now, whenever you teach on a subject, people automatically think that you are an expert on the subject or they assume that you assume that you are an expert on the subject and neither 
is true for me. Uh, there are two things in life that I felt totally confident going into, only to realize that I was completely incompetent once I got in there, and that was marriage and parenting. I, I love what P.J. work says about, uh, about parenting. He says, everybody knows how to raise children except for the people that have them. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, I mean, Sarah and I have been blessed with five kids, and I'm just like, I still know what I'm doing most of the time. And I love what, what Ray Romano says about parenting. He says, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. Anybody, uh, yeah, that's, especially those little kids. I mean, it's just a train wreck all the time. So at the beginning of this, so we start talking about what God says about parenting. Let's all just pause and take a deep breath and admit that none of us have it all figured out that we are messing things up all the time as parents and trying to learn as we go. And parenting is probably the most rewarding thing that we will ever do, but it's also one of the most challenging things that we will ever do. And, and no matter what stage you're in, there are these unique challenges for each stage that you're in. Parents of newborns, I mean, if you have a newborn and you made it here, you get a gold star. Because, I mean, you spend all your time taking care of your kids that you don't really take care of yourself. And toddlers, if you have toddlers, you're just behind them all the time trying to protect them from sticking something in the electrical outlet or falling down the staircases. And then once they get into, into elementary school and they start having these personalities and you start seeing their insecurities and how it is that you can parent them. And then when they get those teenage years and you, you have this balancing act of, of empowering them to become independent adults while also protecting them from their ignorance because they think that they know more than that they do. But no matter what stage you're in, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming because of the responsibility that we feel on our, on our shoulders. So many of us feel like we're over our head and we're exhausted and we're pulled in a bunch of different directions and we don't know if we're doing it right. Are we targeting in the right direction or are we messing them up? So I want to offer some encouragement in this area of what it means to influence the next generation. And we'll be in Psalm 127 together this morning. And it's this really short psalm. It's only five verses long. But I want to give a little bit uh, of the context around why it was written. It was most likely written by David to his son Solomon. And it was later on in his life. And, and for much of his life, David wasn't a very good father at all. He, he, was, he was passive, and he, he didn't step in and lead his family very well. He, he ignored some really disgusting and outrageous behavior from, from one of his sons, and he just checked out. And, and he was afraid to provide the kind of leadership to his family, even though he was leading an entire nation. And, and because he didn't step into that, and because he was so passive, it led to another one of his sons trying to lead a rebellion against him. He was a good king, but he was a crummy dad. I mean, he was a rock star at work, but he was failing at home. But later on in his life, God blessed him with another son, Solomon. And with Solomon, he got some things right. And he started to pass along his faithfulness to God and it impacted generation after generation. And he passed along some of the wisdom of what it means to parent and leave a legacy for a lasting generation. And these were the words that David would have sung over his son Solomon. He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. 
So David starts painting this picture of this stressed out and this frenzied parent. And I think it's true, at least in my life. We, we live such, such busy and harried lives. It's almost like we're, we're burning the candle at both ends and sometimes in the middle, trying to provide for our family, trying to, to protect our family, trying to provide for them opportunities that we didn't have when we were growing up. And we're furiously trying to build our home on our own. And God says, hey, I need to be invited into that process. It, unless I build the home, unless I'm involved, unless I am leading you while you lead your families, it's all in vain. You're gonna miss the mark of what it is that I have called you to do and to be as a parent. So here's the first principle. If we wanna leave a legacy to our kids, the first thing that we need to do is to trust in God's leadership. God loves you, and he knows that you need his help and his leadership if you're gonna hit the mark that he wants us to do. And, and I love in there, he gives us the sign that proves to us that we are loved and that he's leading us. It says that he gives sleep, that he gives rest to those that we love. And it's an interesting thing to think about because if you think about it, at the beginning, he says, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, it's in vain. But if we are resting, who's doing the building? If we are resting, who's doing the protecting of our city, our, our family? God is. Because while we rest, God still rules. The principle that's being taught in these verses is that you be faithful to what God has called you to do, and then you put your head on the pillow at night and you sleep, knowing and resting and trusting that God is in control and that he didn't put that burden on you to try to figure out and to control the outcome of what your parenting looks like. That's true in every area of our life, but I love that David applies this principle specifically to parenting. God gives rest to those that he loves. And parenting can, can bring some sleepless nights in our lives for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, again, if you have those little ones, the, uh, their, their bedtime routine or maybe they're teething and that kind of leads to, to sleeplessness. But there's a different kind of sleeplessness as well. There's a kind of sleeplessness that comes when we are worried, when we're anxious, and when we feel the strain and the stress and the burden of the responsibility of parenting, that, that can keep us up at night. And from the outset, God is comforting us, and he's reminding us, you just be faithful to what I've called you to do, and then trust me. Trust that, that I care, and I love for your kids, I love your kids as much, or maybe even more than you do. Be diligent, yes, and then rest, I've got this. I think that's the kind of God that we need to remember that we have. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm so glad that he put that in there because there are times in my parenting that I get overwhelmed with, am I aiming in the right direction? And it's this reminder that God is in control. And while that is comforting, while we do trust that God has the ultimate outcome, there is something that we have to do on our own. We can't just take our hands off the wheel. We can't just set the cruise control. There's some preparation. There's some initiative on our part on what it means to actually trust in God's leadership. Part of what it means to trust in God's leadership means that I know and I apply what he has asked me to do. I need to know what his principles are about what parenting is if I'm going to actually follow through on my part. So how much study have you done in what scripture teaches, specifically about your role as a mom or a dad or an influencer in the next generation? Have you set out to know 
the heart of God? Have you set out to know the mind of God and the principles that should guard the way that we live and lead our kids? And trusting in God's leadership also means that, that we're prayerful in our parenting, that, that we are actively and intentionally inviting God into some of those hard things and again, trusting him to do what only he can do in the leading and the direction of our kids. And that leads to the second principle, is to make your home a gospel laboratory. I don't know about you, but whenever I was going through college, there were some classes that I had that had a lecture lab set up to it. And in the lecture portion of, of the class, you sit and you take in the principles and you take in the theories of how things work. But, but in the lab, you actually sit down and you take those principles and you actually see how they work in the real world. It's one thing to, to hear about chemical reactions or it's one thing to, to hear about the body and anatomy. It's a wholly different thing when you get in and you actually see with your own eyes and you can actually see that it's a real thing and it's applied to real life. And the same is true for the gospel message in the lives of our kids. That they can come here on Sunday morning, they can hear the teaching of these theories and these principles about who God is. But the home is meant to be the primary place where they see the gospel lived out, where they can actually see the power and believe in the power of the gospel, where it's taken off the shelf and off the theoretical side of things and it's actually applied into real life. I love the picture that Moses paints about what parenting should look like. And he says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. In other words, Moses is saying, as you do life, so much of what it means to pass along the truth and the power of the gospel happens along the way of everyday life, which means that, that I need to prioritize the relationships with my kids. I need to be fully present in those everyday moments so that I can leverage the times in the car that I can leverage the time that we have around the dinner table. And it calls for us to find a way to connect with our kids on their terms, on their turf, so that we can listen and we can learn and hear some of the struggles in their, that they're going through in life or, or hear some of the broken stuff that's going on in their life. And we can, in that moment, apply the truth of the gospel to real life. But perhaps even more importantly than those times of active teaching of our kids is allowing them to see the gospel lived out in our lives. My kids will learn to believe the gospel less by how well I can articulate its truth and more by how they see it applied in my life and how I deal with disappointment and how I deal with hurt and heartache when it enters into my life, by how I spend my time by how I spend my money, by the, by the priorities that I set, by how I treat Sarah. Do they see in my treatment of my wife a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness that comes from God that, that gives them a glimpse of their good father that I talk about? But it also means not just talking about it in our successes, but also letting them in on our failures. There is as much to be learned in the mistakes as when we get things right. So let them see your mistakes. Uh, own up to your failures. Uh, allow them to see you apologize for the mistakes and the sins in your life and ask for forgiveness. I think so many people get caught up thinking that they need to, to act like they have it all together. 
to, to um, think that there needs to be, they need to be a perfect family. But I want to let you in on a little secret. There, there are no perfect families in any example in Scripture. Adam and Eve, all the dysfunction that we are experiencing in our lives is because of them. And, and they, had a, they had a son that killed another one of their sons. So early on in the story of Scripture, things get out of hand pretty quickly. Noah, yeah, he, he rescued his family. But what about that part where he got drunk and naked? Yeah, Noah didn't have it all together either. Jacob and Esau, you see this dysfunctional family full of favoritism, full of deception and the sibling rivalry that lasted a lifetime. You have Joseph and his loving brothers, this interesting family reunion that took place later on in his life. And, and we haven't even got out of the first book of the Bible yet. I mean, it's just chock full of dysfunction. And Mary and Joseph, and when you bring in the Savior of the world, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. That's a big deal. But we forget about the fact that they left Jesus at the temple and didn't even realize it for three days. I mean, like if Child Protective Services was around at that time, Jesus would have been taken out of their house. So I say all that to me. If you want to feel better about yourself and about how your family's doing, read, read the Bible every once in a while. But all these stories in the Bible are stories about how God doesn't use perfect pictures. He uses broken people so that he can display his grace and his mercy. And so when I parent imperfectly, and when I let them in on my mistakes, when I let them in on my mess-ups, I'm giving my kids a front-row seat to the grace of God in my life. And this is huge, because when our kids see the story of God's redemption and how he's using our brokenness in our lives, it lets them know that when they mess up, when their lives don't measure up, they don't give up because they know that God hasn't given up on them either. And this laboratory of the home shows them what God's grace and what God's mercy really looks like in real life. It shows what his presence looks like in our lives. It shows what his restoration and redemption looks like, his goodness and his faithfulness and his forgiveness. It comes off the shelf and they actually see it play out in our lives. And over time, if they see that kind of application of the good news of who God is, this God becomes real in their lives and he gets a whole lot bigger in their lives. But the home isn't the only place that God uses to reach the next generation. The third principle is that we have to intentionally surround our kids with godly influences. There's an interesting note. If you actually look at, uh, at the description of the psalm at the very beginning of it, uh, it says that it is a psalm of ascent. There, there is a group of, of psalms that uh, the entire uh, Jewish community would, would sing every single year as they made their ascent up to Jerusalem for their annual pilgrimage. And it serves as this constant reminder that by God's design, the faith of the next generation was everyone's responsibility. It, it wasn't just the parents. That as they would sing these songs every year, it reminded them, no, part of the responsibility rests on our shoulders as a greater faith community. Kids need a, a second set of voices. They, they need another set of, of trusted adults who can speak into their lives and can reinforce what mom and dad are also saying at home. I think this becomes even more important as our kids get older and as they enter into those teenage years. We're all looking for connection throughout our lives, 
But during those teenage years, they, they are specifically trying to find where it is that they can fit. So if you have teenagers, here are three, three things that I know about every single teenager. They care more about what their friends think than you think. They care more about what other adults think than you think. And they care more about what you think than anything else. You're saying, that's a contradiction. Yep, they're teenagers. They, they are walking contradictions. But all three of those things are equally true in their lives all the time. So if we want to accomplish God's plan, if we want to accomplish God's purpose for parenting, then I think one of the most instrumental, one of the most transformative things that we can do as parents is to widen the circle of influence, to intentionally invite some other voices into our kids' lives. Adults, um, especially as they get older, I mean, especially as our kids get to be teenagers, they, they need some of those other voices to, to affirm and to approve um, what they're doing, and they need to hear those from somebody other than you. They're, they're gonna start tuning you out as they get older. And this is huge. As they start preparing for their independence from you, you, you will begin to recognize that they are leaning away from you. And sometimes that's really hard for us as parents, but that's natural, and that's okay. But if you have put some other trusted adults in their corner, then when they need some wisdom, when they need some help in life, they have another set of voices that they can go to. And what we're reminded of today in this passage is that this is, this is an all skate. I mean, that the faith of the next generation rests on each of our shoulders. You and I have a responsibility both to God and to other parents to help raise and to be another voice and to be another influence in the development of the faith of the next generation. That's on all of us. And one of the most important things that we can do as a church is to put another adult in the lives of your kids so they can come alongside of you and say, listen, you don't have to parent alone. I, I am here with you. I am in your corner and I'm in the corner of your kids. So a couple applications for, for this particular principle. First is, how are you making yourself available to teach and to inspire the next generation? And this is, there's some fairly low-hanging fruit for this one. So what, an easy way to apply this is to get plugged in to be a small group leader. We, we have moms and dads, we have boys and girls that, that need a consistent voice in their life and there are openings, there are opportunities for you to, to plug yourself into either Ridge Kids or Student Ministry Wired and Fuse, where you can be a direct influence and a voice in their lives. So what is it that's keeping you from stepping into those roles? Think about how it is that you can get plugged in. And if you want some more information about what that can look like, fill out that connect card in front of you, drop it in one of the boxes on the way out, and we'll get in touch and, and try to get you the training and answer whatever questions that you have. But you have an opportunity, and I would say also a responsibility, to plug into the next generation. Uh, the second application is for the parents here. And that is, how are you prioritizing these relationships within the church? One of the concerns that, that I have uh, as, a, as a pastor here is that there is almost an endless supply of ways to spend our time, of opportunities and travel and activities and sports. And listen, there's nothing wrong with any one of those choices, but if we're not careful, we can completely fill our family calendar and our family schedule, and there is no room left to, to have the consistent voice and the consistent presence of other believers in the life of your kids. And the choices 
and the priorities that we set now as parents, it lays the foundation for what our kids' faith will look like after they leave the home. Who we are choosing to surround our kids with now, how we're choosing to, to fill our family calendar now is deeply impacting and it's deeply influencing what their faith will look like in college and beyond. So we as parents need to choose wisely, prioritize the community of faith in your kids' lives. And then the fourth one is release your kids for God's mission. Release your kids for God's mission. That is the purpose of parenting. Um, how many of you grew up with a, with a china cabinet in your home or maybe in the home of, of your grandparents? So the, the purpose of a china cabinet was it's to protect what is valuable. So, so nothing bad would happen to what this delicate uh, piece of china is. And I think sometimes we can slip into a, a china cabinet parenting mindset where we see our primary responsibility as protecting our kids. And it's this defensive posture. And yes, there is a big part of that in what it means to be a parent, that we are called to protect our kids and to guard our kids. But David encourages us to an even higher calling when it comes to our kids. Notice what he says. He says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children, are born, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. We should be asking the question, God, why did you give me these kids? Because we need to notice that they are not ours, that they are a gift from God given to us for a purpose. And David reminds us that kids are like arrows. There are a lot of things that, that you can do with arrows, but keeping them behind closed doors and behind a, a, a china cabinet is not one of them. God is saying that the goal of shaping the next generation of kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and neighbors is to invest in them. It, and it's not just to protect them, but it's to prepare them to be aimed and launched out. An arrow will not fly if it's not released. The, the purpose of parenting is to let them go, and we have to keep that in the front of our minds. It's not just to protect, but it's to prepare for them to be launched out onto God's mission. God entrusts our kids to us for a season so that we can raise up and we can send out another generation into God's mission field, another generation of, of young men and young women who are sure-footed and that they are confident and who they are in Christ, that, that they have discovered their purpose in life and, and they know that they are to be used by God to expand his kingdom, that they are to be an arrow that's shot into the darkness, that they are to be a light in the darkness, whether that is taking them overseas or it's just over a cubicle wall. But they know that they are to live their life making an impact and shining light in the darkness wherever God places them. We have some opportunities for you coming up for you to be able to engage as a family right now in what it means to live your life on mission. Uh, so I would encourage you to take advantage of, of the Go Local projects coming up at the end of the month so that you as a family can begin to engage in God's mission in the everyday life so that they are prepared to go out on their own. Uh, Mary Ann will be out in the lobby afterwards. You can answer any questions. 
But I think for us as families to be able to, to display what it means to live our lives on mission in front of our kids will prepare them to be launched out to live a life on mission on their own. So what kind of legacy are you leaving your kids? What kind of faith legacy are you passing along to the next generation so that they can pass it along to the next generation and it can continue on for generations to come? We have the opportunity to, to leave a legacy of faithfulness to God that impacts our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. So use your time. Use your influence to introduce them to the only perfect parent that there is, to their heavenly father, and then send them out like arrows into the world. And it starts today. Some of us need to drive a stake in the ground and say, God, I, I have not taken this responsibility seriously enough. I, I've been on cruise control. I've kind of taken my hands off the wheel and I've not really done what you've asked me to do. I, I've not had my eyes fixed on the right thing. But today, today I want to make this a priority in my life. To, to be the dad, to be the mom, to be the aunt, the uncle, the grandparent that you have called me to be, to live out the gospel in my everyday life so that they can see the power of it and believe the power of the gospel in their own life. And while there may be some changes that we need to, to own and to, to make in our lives, let's also be reminded that, that what our responsibility is is to be faithful, to be diligent to what God has called us to do, and then we rest in his sovereignty. We rest in his grace to do what only he can do. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you and we, we, we feel the weight of, of this call that you have placed on our shoulders, both as parents, but also just as believers to be able to pass along a real faith and a real power that comes from the gospel to the next generation. And God, we know that we need your grace. We need your strength. We need your leadership if we're gonna succeed in this. And God, for those that, that are struggling, who feel overwhelmed, who feel exhausted, or, or maybe they, they feel regret or they feel shame, God, would you free them from that today? Allow for change to take place, but God, let us embrace your grace in our lives. We, we wanna be a church that is chasing after this call to raise up and to send out a new generation of Christ followers into the world to advance your kingdom. And God, we thank you. We thank you for your strength and we thank you for your grace that allows for that to happen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up this morning. We're going to sing our way out of here this morning. <laughs>